against all odds. But we never really talk about my main man. This is my guy, Mr. Sean V. Bradley. So first of all, welcome to your show. <laughs> <laughs> Yo, thank you for having me. You actually just landed a TV show. Am I right about that? Yeah, major TV network signed me to season two of a hit show, and I'm actually the star of the show. The first time that I'm actually telling my story mm. from my own mouth. We even asked Karina if she was shocked. I was, because I've heard your story, but just to be able to hear certain pieces of it from you directly and just the detail that you put behind it was crazy. It's crazy if the wife is shocked. So tell us some of the things you were doing. I was doing parties for like Angelica Calio from Calvin Klein with Grace Jones, Boy George, all sorts of crazy stuff. I'm making in a night five, six thousand dollars a night. Teenage criminal life changer coming up. From nothing to everything. Absolutely. Ladies and gentlemen, what's happening? It's your man, L.A. Williams, the blind master. And of course, to my left, slightly across from me, I got my main man, Mr. Sean V. Bradley. What's up, Sean? You ready hey, to rock? everybody. What's Wait. up? It's KB in the place to be. And the place to be is Against All Odds radio show. <laughs> Wait a minute now. That don't sound like Sean. What's going on here, y'all? No. L.A. Today, I'm taking over as co-host because we have a very special guest. I just couldn't miss out on this opportunity. Hey, listen, look, you like it, I love it. We got the queen in the building, ladies and gentlemen, Karina Bradley, you know what I'm saying? Yes. <laughs> so we're super excited. So listen, we're in a, a different type of area. Where we're, because we're not in our own studios. Where are we right now? We're not. We're actually in New York City at the iHeart Studios headquarters. Okay, here we go. Yes. Love it, love it. So, <laughs> so here's the thing, because I know when we walked in here, you guys were like, wow, this is beautiful. So can you describe, as if uh, someone's blind like me, right? What, what did you, what did you... Yeah. What did you experience walking in? So when we came onto the 12th level, once it opened up, I almost felt like it was futuristic, like space. There was these, like Apple. Uh, <laughs> yeah, Apple like, Star like, Trek. Like we were inside of like an Apple machine. Yo, yeah. not for nothing. It was like a nightclub. I was like waiting for the techno. Oots, yeah. Oots, yeah. Oots, yeah. Oots, yeah. It was uh, like, like like lasers. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I don't know how to really... There's um, like LED yeah. screens. There's big um, and like course, TVs. Radio show. Oh my, our logo was all over the place. The Yo, this is where the king Elvis Duran does his show. This is where the most elite iHeart and uh, radio show personalities in the world record. This is it's a privilege and honor. So shout out to iHeart. Absolutely. And we got some princesses in the building. Y'all want to say hello real quick? Hey guys. <laughs> so that is the one and only Miss Kalina Sarah Bradley and Tiana Chanel Mick. What's going on? I'm so excited. So listen, we just having a whole family episode right now. This is going to be great and like we talked about we got a very very special guest so this this gentleman who we're bringing you guys have had met him before he's actually spoken on our show um he might have had a minute or two yeah so listen ladies and gentlemen when we come back you've never heard the story behind the one and only Sean V. Bradley. It's against all eyes. Did you know that car.com is a website to connect consumers like you, me, our parents, basically everybody to local car dealers? Car.com helps us find that perfect vehicle. From new vehicles to certified pre-owned, car.com will help you find the best vehicle match. Car.com practically started the online car shopping experience. 
peace of mind and finding your perfect vehicle, it's what they do. Car.com. We do the research, you do the driving. Get started getting that peace of mind today at Car.com. It's the Against All Eyes Radio Show. Against All Eyes Radio You should show. check out our website. Or find us on Facebook. Or Instagram. Follow us on Twitter. We even got a YouTube channel. <laughs> hey, first of all, let me thank everyone for tuning into our radio show every weekend. But if you're looking for more interactivity, make sure you download Clubhouse and follow Sean V. Bradley and the Blind Master. We're on every single weekday morning at 7 a.m. From nothing to everything. Ladies and gentlemen, we are back, and this is the Against All Odds radio show. And as we said right before the break, because here's the crazy thing. We always have all these amazing guests and all that kind of cool stuff. And even on the first episode, we kind of went into a little bit of my background, but we never really talk about my main man. This is my guy, Mr. Sean V. Bradley. So first of all, welcome to your show. <laughs> Yo, thank you for having me. And uh, thank me for, you know, starting the show. You know, thank me. Okay, thank you. Nah, it's this is a uh, really super dope I mean I'm looking in in front of my closest people in my life one of my best friends in the world my wife my daughters and I'm in the center of the universe in New York City at the iHeart yeah it's one of my favorite places in the world and so this is just a a privilege and an honor and I I get to share it with the people I I care about the most so uh, and Sean you were born here too yeah born in Queens you know raised in Brooklyn worked in a city and and now relocated to Dirty Jersey (laughs) (laughs) All right, so listen, so one of the reasons why we want to do this, you actually just landed a TV show. Am I right about that? Yeah, and you know what's crazy? Because I, I haven't had the opportunity to really share details, and I'm under contract. So I, what I can say is this, okay. that a major, major, major TV network uh, signed me to season two of a hit show. So this is not a pilot. This is, you know, um, season two of a hit show, and mm-hmm. I'm actually the star of um, of the of the show mm. and uh they had they flew in my mother and they brought in a couple other people from my life and it's basically has to do with my case i have one of the largest cases in the united states history for certain things but before we get into it and i'll, I'll take your questions mm-hmm. what people don't know is that i'm already in in a major movie called limelight okay mm. and i'm in two different books one book is called club Lane confidential i'm another book called uh chemical cowboy but the difference uh, la is that i never offer that I, I never did a, an interview. I never right. gave permission to be in it. So this was just people giving their opinions or their mm. versions. This is the first time that I'm actually telling my story mm. from my own mouth. Right. Nice. Now, I feel like people have heard your story, but not have really heard your story. Right. You know, and they may have heard pieces, but to put it in one collaborative piece... I think they're going to be very surprised. Yeah, I think shocked. I, I got to be honest with you. Is that, like, I've been very. I was shocked. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So talk about it. you were on set. Yeah. So, so wife, you were on set um, a couple weeks ago, and you got to hear. You were there for me, for my mother, and for the and other for person, Billy. for Billy. Yeah. That uh, we could say Billy. Shout out to Billy V in the place to be. Um, and so, were you really shocked when you heard all? I, I was because, like I said, I've heard your story and I've heard pieces of it, but. 
when you hear the intensity behind it and all the details that go with it and the way that it just builds up and builds up and, and you had a lot of shots, <laughs> you know, you were given a lot of opportunities. Um, you know, I don't want to go into your own story there, but just to be able to hear certain pieces of it from from you directly and just the detail that you put behind it was crazy. It's crazy if the wife is shocked. I'm going to tell you that yes, right now. Like, yeah, that's we've been true. Yeah, we've been together for uh, 14 and a half years, and that is a testament, L.A., right? So if Karina was shocked, and she knows me, uh, you know, deeply for, you know, almost 15 years, mm-hmm. you know, can you imagine people that don't right. have that right. intimate yeah. relationship no, with me? No, and it was interesting, too, because I was sitting in the back. So just think of it like the back row, especially with COVID, everybody's like spread out. Mm -hmm. So I could see the expressions on the faces of the people that are hearing your story for the very first time. They were laughing. They were shocked. (laughs) They couldn't wait to hear more. We went to lunch at one point and the one woman was like, no, no, I have to hear what happened in this story. (laughs) So that was very cool, too, to be able to see other people's reactions and perspectives. That's crazy. All right. So because here's the thing. Uh, This is all, all cool stuff. And I think that the audience definitely knows about your success story, right? That's one of the reasons why we even have the show. That's the reason why you guys listen every single week. But let's hear a little bit about Mr. Sean. Baby Sean V. Baggy. What did he... I, I wish I had a recording of <laughs> You're what, so stupid, what that was like, right? <laughs> okay, so... Here, before I get into that, I'll answer that, I promise. I want to just say that I didn't reach out to this network. That's the crazy part of the story. The network chased me down. Mm-hmm. Like, the network was um, trying to reach out to me, and we didn't know. Me and Karina no, had... True. They actually contacted me trying to get a hold of you, and I didn't even get the voicemail because we had some crazy... We had some reconstruction at the office, and my phone was in the wrong room, so we finally plugged the phone in, and it was like a month later. Wow. Crazy. And when you guys find out what the network is... Let me just tell you right now, millions and millions of people are going to watch the show live on broadcast television, but then there's going to be millions more on the live streams and then on the YouTube. We looked at some of the past episodes, and just the YouTube video had almost 5 million views. Mm -hmm. So this is pretty mega stuff. So now, to answer your question... Where did it all start? Well, this is the crazy part. Yo, I've been hustling since I was six years old. So I I don't want to give too much of the stuff away that's going to be on the TV show, but I will say that uh, one of my first craziness things that I did is when I was six years old, I, I... um, had the catalog from like uh, like school for cookies and candies at six years old in first grade I jumped on a uh, New York City train right uh, the D train in, in Brooklyn and I went to the, the the town over and I started selling you know in apartment complexes door-to-door candy that didn't exist so I was running cons at six years old and then Where did you come up with I was like say, why would you do that because <laughs> I needed money I was broke I was poor you know I didn't have anything so, so yeah. take it let's take a through the mind of how that actually works because mm-hmm. that's very very interesting to me sean so you're let's say you're six years old are you hungry are you like how are you feeling to say you know remember, what remember our our youngest son is seven right, right now so you're a year younger yeah that's crazy Xander, yeah that's and crazy. you're jumping on <laughs> trains <laughs> and going places what was running through your mind at the time well, do you remember I, yeah I, I it was a long time ago but i i remember being broke and not having anything and you know what i can't lie and say i was hungry or what have you i wanted some gi joes that's what it was <laughs> is that I, I wanted some toys and and no, i was, wasn't was yeah that's that was important to me right. and i was like you know i was either going to go without or you know, i was going to steal you it already asked for them or yeah yeah to- i asked i always wanted shit and and uh, stuff and again i it just 
I didn't get anything. I lived in a, in a very volatile environment, which we'll get into in a second. So I don't want to spend a ton of time on this because we talk about it on the TV show, but that was the first hustle. Another thing is that um, when I was around eight and nine years old in, in New York, um, my mother, even though she had her own issues and dramas, she didn't let me roam the streets in Queens like crazy. But my father had no parenting skills whatsoever. Like, he just let me roam like the wild buffalo uh, through Brooklyn, you know what I mean, like, as a kid. So during the week, it was a little more structured. On the weekend, you Yeah, and then on the weekend, I was going to, and it was like East 16th and Newkirk, so people understand, like, that. that's like going to Chirac right there. I mean, like, it's crazy. It's real out there. And I was, you know, committing, um, like, robberies. Not, like, strong arm, but, like, I would steal stuff, you know, at the, at the candy stores and the little shops, you know, around there. But uh, I got this little hustle. One of my hustles was candy. I was, at first, and this is so funny, I was collecting uh, cans to get changed in and bottles for five cent refunds. But then I was like, it took a lot of work. And I'm thinking, okay, even at, at like seven, eight years old, I was thinking, okay, how can I... Get other people to work. Yeah, so then I recruited my, my, my cousins <laughs> and some kids from the neighborhood. I recruited them and had them collecting stuff. And then that was still too slow because I noticed something. I noticed that when we brought them to Key Food, which was in the, the supermarket in Brooklyn, that they stored all of these bottles in one area. So we waited. I timed it. You know, I mean, I plotted this shit as, as, as the stuff as a, as a little kid. And... Um, we waited, I think it was like at 6 p.m. or 7 p.m. is that's when the big bulk, it's almost like as an adult, that's when they drop off the money at the bank. You know what I mean? Like I found out when, when the payload was. And what we did is we, we instead of spending hours and hours collecting the cans, we waited for everybody else to do that. And right before they sent them away, we just robbed like the big garbage bags full of these oh and, and then jumped on a bus, went to the across town to the other supermarket and and basically we just cut our time down and we increased our our profits. <laughs> it's Crazy funny because that's one of your biggest strengths today is bringing people together for one common goal. <laughs> <laughs> These yeah. are just wild stories, yes. man. That's, it's, and, it's, and this is the kind of stuff. So again, this is the mind of an entrepreneur. So mm-hmm. again, sometimes when your kids are doing things like I, you know, I did stuff like that growing up, like not not what well, he just did, but but you know stuff that you know you get in trouble for as a child are is are the same things that you will be totally rewarded for as an adult and an right. entrepreneur. Yes, if you were able to just kind of switch that around mm -hmm. and and direct it towards positive legal things uh, for your kid, that could be very profound. Yeah, and and I'd say that the other aspect of my childhood that I I want the audience to understand is the horrific aspect of things. Mm -hmm. You know, when I was... Uh, like four or five years old, my uh, well, first of all, my, my biological father was a deadbeat. He was uh, he was never there. And uh, the funny story that my mother tells, and it's not funny, but it's sad funny, was that um, my mother had me when she was twenty years old. He called in from party and said, "Is a boy or girl?" And my mother says, "Boy," and I hung up on her. And that was it. He wasn't even there at the hospital. Wow. Yeah, that's 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 Wayne. Wayne Bradley. Shout out to you for being a. Uh, you know, what I mean, that's what I don't care if this is on the air. He needs to be recognized. <laughs> So then it didn't get any better. My mother's choice in men went from bad to worse. She married a, an ex-Marine named George Cruz. Yes, uh, hopefully he's burning in hell right now, you know, and his ashes are getting disintegrated. Um, so this guy used to torture me and my mother, like physically. He used to, he used to do a lot of these weird Marine physical tortures, having us stand with our hands um, like like we were being arrested. He'd have us, you know, squatting. He'd just have us doing all this crazy stuff for, like, 
hours and hours and hours. Not like five minutes or ten minutes, but like hours and hours and hours. Um, one time I remember that he beat the crap out of me with a Tonka truck. And back then, in the 80s, this was like a metal Tonka truck mm-hmm. where my ears were black and blue. You know, and uh, he turned the gas on. My mother tells a story on the yeah. TV show that he turned the gas on in the house and was lighting matches and threatened to blow us up. And um, he used to shoot my mother up with heroin, chain her to the bed, and uh, not let her work. You know, we had the um, tactical team, which is like the SWAT team. It's called the ESU, Emergency Services Unit in New York, extract us from the from the house. You know, just this insane it's stuff. Crazy. So is he doing all this for fun, for punishment? Is it like a, what is this, did he have a reason? I, or can you remember? I don't know. I honestly, um, I never saw him again or else I might not be here. I would have probably murdered this dude, honestly. So I don't know anything um, after I was five, six years old. Yeah. I never heard of him again. So I don't know why. And, I, and to be honest with you, just not trying to be like rude or anything like that, but I don't think I would have a, a conversation to ask him why. So yeah. I saw, it would be like on site. Just right. <laughs> I get it. And, and more so, the reason why I'm asking the question is because it's like, you know, because you, you, you hear about these things and you, you read about these different things. And it's just like, what is going on? In a per- why would somebody do something like that? Do Yo, he was big. He was like 6'2", yeah. like almost 300 pounds, like 280 pounds, whatever, like Marine. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And whipping like on a little kid and a, and a little woman. Like he was possible like, that he had suffered it, yeah, some it's, great it's tragedies in his life that mm-hmm. led him to be that type of person, not to give any excuse and victim no, blame, no. but... Um, you know, it, it is crazy for anyone, any sane person to do that to a he child. Was, no, he, 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 he child wasn't sane. He was not sane. No, he yeah, was definitely not sane. Was yeah. So, crazy, crazy stuff. All right, cool. So, so again, so uh, you, you tell us about, you know, I mean, that's a crazy, crazy thing um, for a child to have to go through. And then you wanted stuff. So you started doing the hustling thing with the candy. Then you wanted more stuff. And you said, hey, how can I, you know, <laughs> build a business around cans? And then you just went off, yes. <laughs> went rogue with it. <laughs> Yeah. What happened? Because I know you end up going into a, a boy's home or something like that. Yeah. So, so here's here's the thing: is I was very disturbed. I was I was emotionally disturbed. I was. I wonder why. Yeah. <laughs> I was I was angry all the time, and my mother was was crazy. You know, like you know. And again, I'm glad that we have a relationship now, but she would go from different things. You know, meaning like one minute she's like, "I love you, I love you, I love you." And next minute, you know, she's locking me in closets and saying she wishes that I was dead. You know, and so. I, and again, I don't want to hurt her feelings if she's listening to this, but it is what it is, you know, like, and, and she was, to your point, Karina, mm-hmm. she was abused, at, not just by George, but by other people in her life, and she was severely traumatized, and so she doesn't get a pass, but I understand, mm-hmm. and and to had your... Had you been a parent in that situation, had you been your mom in that situation, what would you have done with you? I don't know, I, I don't know, I but I wouldn't have given me away for three years. Absolutely not. So I would have never given me to a boy's home for three years. And so L.A. asked the question because I want to expedite the, the interview part here is that uh, I, I was going through therapy, but I never took the therapy. I never I never took my medicine. I never I never talked. I was just so angry and, and I never took the resources that I had. And um, there's one story that you're going to hear on the show, which is, is crazy, is that uh, I, I'm not going to tell it because it's, it's a really cool story to, to hear. Uh, let's put it this 
this way, I scared the crap out of the nuns oh, at Catholic school. Yeah, but we're not gonna we're not gonna no. share it on the air. Yeah, you got to watch the show. You guys you know? have to. Just yeah, because I got kicked out of Catholic school because I I I scared to death um, the the nuns. It's something that you see in a movie, but you're gonna right. see it on TV because yeah. it, it really happened. That's crazy. All right, so Sean, do you think that uh, something would have been different knowing what you know now as a parent? As a yeah, should you have taken this? You know, should you have like dove into some of these resources? What do you I, think? I, I don't think that you can. Like, yes, as an adult now, mm-hmm. right, I really wish that I, I, I talked to the therapist, the psychiatrist. I, I wish I took my medicine um, back then. I don't even know if it would have worked or not, you know, because mm-hmm. I don't, I'm not on any medicine now, right, and, right, right. and, and I, w- I believe I was misdiagnosed and all that stuff. But, yes, as a 40-year-old-plus man, uh, it's different than a five, six, eight, nine-year-old mentality. I wish I did take the resources, but do I think that it would have had a difference? I don't know. You know, yeah, of course, no one knows. I mean, it's mm-hmm. just. Well, what I will say though is, I, I wish that um, I wish that other people in my family, which I've never said before ever, I wish that my uncle joey stepped in i wish that my uncle frankie stepped in because I I, there were some talks of you potentially going yeah you know so together. but not just that i mean intervening you know because the type of person right. i am if somebody was going to do that to like elvin and melissa's you know kids right like to you know you know, Did the, they know? Did they yeah know they the knew yeah happening? yeah they knew and and i think that like you know fran tried to do some stuff but um, here's what I will say, and, I, and I'm glad I'm able to have my own platform to say this, yeah. and why I hated uh, my mother and my father for so many years, and I, and I still ha- I, I'm trying to let go of all the hate, is I look at my kids, you know, and I, by far I've been far from perfect, and I've made some big mistakes, but I've never exposed or done a fraction at the level that, that they have. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And I've done some stupid stuff and bad stuff. But, again, not even close to the magnitude of, of what I, I went through. And I, and, I, and I look at them and I don't understand how. Because it wasn't just like one time. This is talking about years and years and years and years and years of trauma. I just don't understand how they allowed that to happen. You yeah. know? And it wasn't just my mother it was all my uncles and you know other people right. that were there i just wish somebody stepped up yeah. yeah that's a big deal that's that's huge and so here's here's i think the lesson that comes from it because i've had you know people in my life right nieces nephews different things i think that if you hear something going on if you know something just step up and yes. be that person i talked about this uh actually on our way here uh, we talked about how we run our company right and i'm the person that will step up if there's any challenges if there's anything going on um i'm the one that's going to step up and i'm going to do something right you see what I'm, I'm not just going to sit around and allow stuff to happen to the company to some kids to some you know whoever the situation is we have to step up we got to just be adults about the situation they talk about it takes a village to raise children right not just you know one group of people the entire family got to step up and people go oh they have their own problems right. and everything like that well then that, you got another their one business yeah no yeah. no it's your business if Absolutely. you know something's happening especially to a poor innocent child it is your business Mm-hmm. Absolutely, 100%. So these are the types of things that we got to get into. So this is some pretty tragic stuff that we're talking about here, but I'm telling y'all, we're going to get into some even deeper things as uh, soon as we come back, y'all. This is our radio show. What's the name of it, Dub? Against All Eyes. Be right back after these messages. Do you have scars, stretch marks, cuts, burns? Did you just have surgery or you're about to have surgery? 
Well, ScarFood is a series of products and creams designed specifically to nourish and repair scars. ScarFood has helped tens of thousands of patients worldwide repair and heal their scars. Follow ScarFood LLC on Instagram or go to ScarFood.com and send us a product advice form along with photos and let our scar experts tell you exactly what you need to feed and heal those scars. It's the Against All Eyes Radio Show. Against All Eyes Radio You should check show. out our against website. All eyes radio Show. Against All Eyes Radio Or find show. us on against Facebook. Eyes radio Show. Against All Eyes Radio Show. Or Instagram. Follow us on Twitter. We even got a YouTube channel. Hey world, this is Sean V. Bradley, and if you need to buy a new or pre-owned car and want to have the best, most convenient experience ever, get full transparency, the absolute lowest price, no stress, best customer service, well, I highly recommend car.com. From nothing to everything. Ladies and gentlemen, we are back, and listen, we got the special guest, Mr. Sean V. Bradley. We've just been having some conversations about, you know, childhood and, you know, what it takes to help uh, children grow uh, in the way that they should. And so uh, one of the things you said before we went to break, Sean, you mentioned um, not you not not sending your, your children away you wouldn't have you know wanted that to happen to you and it's happened with my sister and everything talk a little bit about you know being at the boys home. what was the, is the name of it what was it bonnie what was, tell us about that yeah so the the boys home that i was in is called bonnie bray in okay. millington new jersey and it was supposed to be only 18 months it turned out to be three long years so three years and i remember writing uh, letters to my, you know, my mother and writing, uh, and then she just jumped up on, on uh, Facebook Live right here, mm-hmm. and uh, writing letters to my grandmother begging, uh, begging them to take me home, pleading and promising that I'll be good, you know, and just try to imagine that, mom, please don't, 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 don't send me away, please bring me home. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, I believe that they were probably under the assumption that they were making the right decision, but mm-hmm. it was it was kitty jail. You know, it was it was. Um, it, I learned so much. I grew up really quick. I, I learned, uh, you know, how to hustle more, how to be a better, you know, con artist, um, how to, you know, be a man. Because I grew up with my mother, and after she was tortured by two different men, she gave up on guys, and she had a girlfriend for like twenty five years, which is a whole nother emotionally, you know, uh, crazy thing to deal with being a boy and having uh, two females and not not feeling comfortable inviting people over because you have to explain having two moms and and all that yeah, other crazy. Stuff. Right. Like it was today. different. It was right. a different time period back then. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? But um, there was some. There was some cool things of Bonnie Bray. You know, just like I had some cool experiences in prison. I Who met some. Learning this stuff from your other. The other uh, people in the boys' home. You know, but um, so it, it, it they didn't have bars. It was like dormitories type stuff, but it was regimented. But I'm gonna tell you right now. Stuff was real up in there. They would there's like five point restraints. So like if you were freaking out, like the 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 um, the, the staff that were there, they would tackle you and they would cross your arms and they would restrain you. It was a it was a, it was a facility. You know what I mean? So it got live up in there. there there's fights. There's this. There's that. And you had a bunch of other disturbed kids. And you know when you put a bunch of disturbed kids together, uh, a lot of disturbed things happen. Right. And so it, it was a effed up experience. 
But <laughs> it conditioned me to do my bid going through prison because I'm telling you right now, I would have probably freaked out more, you know, doing years in prison if I didn't go through the the preconditioning, the preconditioning, yeah. you know, <laughs> the, the practice. Yeah, the, it was like, you know, it got me ready for prison and being able to, to deal with a, a facility and lockup and solitary confinement and all that stuff. But um, yeah, so from 12, so from 12 to 15, I was in this boys home, which was, a, you know, a youth facility. And for me, what I think was, is, is kind of crazy um, is just I never thought I would survive that, you know, like when I'm in there. But you know what? Like everything else, it passes. You know what I mean? Like I, I, I got what through it. What do you it. feel like got you through that time? I don't think anything got me through. I just did the time. Do you, you know what I'm saying? Like, so I don't think, like you had any kind of like no, there was like, no hope. I, I had no idea real quick. Ellie. I never knew when I was getting out. Like it was only supposed to be 18 months. Right. So I thought that I would be getting out soon and, and it wasn't. And then sometimes I didn't even care. So I went through phases of not mm-hmm. caring. But, and so here's the thing is when I came home, I was acting the fool. My, my, my mother had no idea when, when I was coming home from, um, you know, from the boys' home on the weekends, I would get into stuff. I, I started selling drugs. I started, you know, getting drunk and drinking. So I was from 12, let's say 13, 14, 15 is when I really started smoking weed and doing mushrooms and drinking and crazy stuff like that. But I wasn't really making, like, a ton of money in this stuff. I was just, like, doing stupid kid stuff. Mm-hmm. Then when I got into high school, then things started, like, you know, picking up. It was nuts. I was selling more weed and mushrooms and, and, and just stupid stuff like that but I was I wasn't a kingpin but I I was definitely making money so I could you know buy nice Jordans and buy nice stuff and go do things but I got really wrapped up into the skating scene like usually like my my clients would never believe this but I used to have like my hair shaved I had really long hair it was curly I used to you know I used to skate no no skateboarding so I used to (laughs) and I used to skate street so I used to do ollies ollie impossibles and 360 kick flips that was my one of my cool moves was a as a, you know, 180 uh, heel flips, you know, 360 kick flips, Ali Impossibles and things like that. I used to love to skate. But then I got hooked up in the in the rave scene, and that's where it was just nuts. So before we go to that, Sean, I really want to, because, and you know me, this is the Against All Eyes radio show, and I yeah. think that it's important for people to get some lessons. I, of course, they want to hear about you. I think that's awesome, but I think the lessons are the key. Right. So How are they applicable r- to them? Right, so here's the situation. Mm-hmm. Does, do you believe, and, and think from the adult's point of view, the, all the stuff that you got into over the weekend, <laughs> did that justify them saying, you know, that's why he need to be in his boy's home because he don't know how to act? You, know, you, you see what I'm saying? Nothing justifies throwing your kid away. Mm. So, no. Say it again. Rewind. Say Nothing again. justifies throwing your kid away. Nothing justifies. Nothing. Listen, I'm going to tell you right now. I'm going to say this on air. Look, you know, if my daughter killed somebody i'm digging the hole i I don't care i'm either taking that charge or i'm helping her i'm watching csi reruns and i'm helping her like hide the body i i I, i'm sorry you might not respect it or agree with it but for me dexter i do love dexter (laughs) so stupid karina yeah yeah so again there's nothing that i wouldn't do to protect my kids you know what i'm saying so like and again i'm not knocking anybody that disagrees with me but this is my show i'm giving you my opinion Mm -hmm. is that i would not throw my kid away and i would not put my kid in an environment with predators and maniacs and and just you know uh, crazy people i just wouldn't do that not at 12 years old not at 13 out of 14 out of 15 yeah. and so i don't blame anna you know what i mean like I she like did she was probably in a bad yeah, yeah she, she thought it was safe yeah yeah she did what she thought was the best 
um, under the, the situation. And remember, she was going through a lot of trauma herself. And so I, I don't I don't fault that. But I'm just saying now, right. I, as, a, as an adult, there's no way. You'd have to rip my kids out of my dead hands mm. to take them away. That's just my opinion. And that's beautiful because I'm telling you, there's a lot of parents that do that stuff. Like I said, I even talk about my own sister says that to me because she went away now. was nowhere near what you did. She got, went to upstate New York and all of that different type of stuff because I guess my mom just had tough, you know, dealing with a girl and everything. But she sent her away. Me, I just went to camp. You know what I'm saying? Blind people camp and all that stuff. So, but, you know, and, and my sister, Toy, she always says, man, I wish mommy would have never sent me away. Right. I, she's Aww. like, that's like the number one thing that like broke her heart growing up. It's and impacted they're, her. Exactly. And she, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. That definitely uh, impacted the relationship I have with, with Anna, you yeah. know, is that um, we've had a very difficult relationship since I was 12 years old. We've never really been in sync. And there's been times that we didn't talk for five or six years. Yeah. And now she's going to be 65 years old. I'm going to be 45 years old. And uh, we lost so much time. Yeah. So yeah, yeah. yeah. So all right, cool. So let's talk about this rave stuff because I know. <laughs> yeah, let me just tell you this. It was it was crazy. So first disclaimer: don't do this if you're listening to this. This was just dumb stuff. Oh, no. Yeah, um, I was going to these raves, and um, at first I would just buy like like ecstasy and K and things like that, and then I started buying extra to offset my my cost so i could party for free mm. but then my my entrepreneurial mind kicked in i'm like damn you know what i mean like i was able to to get off like about a hundred pills sometimes 200 pills in one rave party so to put that in perspective at at like 16 17 years old um i could bring in anywhere from five to six thousand dollars in a night partying and dancing mm. so right. yeah especially back Back then, yeah, we're talking about in the mid nineties. Yeah, it's good money, yeah, absolutely. And then my friend Billy took me uh, to the limelight, and it was game over. And Billy tells the story, and he's such a unique person hilarious. telling this. He's hilarious when he tells the story. He took me to the limelight, and and I disappeared in the limelight, and he didn't see me for two oh, weeks, yes. for two straight weeks. I would because in the rave scene, it's it's like the um, like almost like how the the Grateful Dead is. You go on tour, so I was just going from party to party, and I was you know I I meet party kids at the raves and crash at their houses so mm-hmm. i literally for two straight weeks was from party 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 i came back and just my natural personality i i just had to connect i found the plug and i was getting hundreds of pills and for um you know my senior year going into my my freshman year in college it was making stupid money you did know? you ever get robbed um <laughs> So we tell the story on. Oh, yeah. I wasn't supposed to ask that. <laughs> yeah. So I, I only, but not Rob for, for, for drugs like that. So one time I was at the Limelight and I was an official promoter. This is a crazy part right here, folks. The Limelight and Tunnel, you have to be 21 years old to enter the clubs. I was not even 18 years old getting into these clubs, ultra VIP with celebrities from all over the world. And at 18 years old, I was running VIP parties and, and I was an official employee for some of the top people in the world. And what was nuts was there's certain days that house dealers like, you know, can, can sell in different places. So I was at the limelight and this wannabe uh, Guinea, right? I'm Italian, so I can say that, right? So this wannabe uh, mafioso rolls up on me. I ain't going to front. 
uh, he had a he was he, he was definitely you know strapped, pulled a gun in my face, and was like run it. And I without even hesitating, I gave him the stash. It was like no problem Not because it. it wasn't worth it. Plus, it wasn't my night. So again, you knew you were wrong. yeah, I knew I was wrong, and so it's a violation. So again, for me, it wasn't that big a deal. I probably lost a couple thousand dollars. Now that might seem like a lot, but that's retail. Well, I didn't you pay that. that back up the next night, right? right. <laughs> no, I made that in the next couple hours yeah, in the next spot. Yeah, yeah, for real. So it wasn't that big a deal, but. What LA's talking about, and this is this is a real crazy story. So I'm at Ryder University, and this is the most hypocritical sh- stuff out there, right? I'm in Zeta Beta Tau fraternity. I'm in the Army ROTC, and everybody in my fraternity they're doing crazy drugs. It's a party house. It's animal house on steroids. Slash, it's the United States Army cadets, right? It's it's it's, it's really wow. interesting. So I had I met a, a couple that from a rave in up in in the city in New York, and I invited them to come crash at, at my my dorm. But they they had a hundred pills of ecstasy shipped from Atlanta to my dorm, and I just took them. I just straight gacked them, deboed them, and I didn't think anything of it because they were like, you know, whatever. I wasn't even worried about them. Yo, here's what happened. Not like you did with the cans. Yeah, I <laughs> went t- back to the city to to go to one of these clubs. I came back, my whole dorm was robbed. My whole dorm was robbed, L.A., and I'm like, yo, I called Billy up, my friend Billy. I was like, I, I lied to him, I said, because he didn't want any drama. He's yeah. like, I was like, look, I just want you to, can you just drive me to a place so I could, I could get my, my stuff? So He thought he was just giving you a ride. He, yeah, so folks, try to picture stuff. this, right? <laughs> I ring the doorbell, and this punk is wearing the clothes he stole from me when I went in. Mm. I lost my ish. <laughs> I went crazy. I pushed in the door. There was a hammer, and I'm smashing everything oh, up. God breaking everything in the house and Billy's the whole time screaming what what are you doing no I told you I was, you, just, giving you a ride. I was just giving you a ride <laughs> police come mm-hmm. and at first they charge me with attempted murder they charge yeah. me with attempted murder and then I switched as soon as I heard that I was like scooby do I said I said officer I played the army card real quick I said I am at the United States Army I'm in the SMP program here at Wright University and these people I try to help them out stayed at my dorm and they robbed me and then thank <laughs> God these idiots they had my stuff with my name on it and they had my books and stuff like that so the it, it got, they when I got to the police department they charged me with assault and battery not attempted murder but you know the the club kid didn't want to get arrested for grand theft because it was over a thousand dollars like two thousand dollars worth of stuff they stole from me so thank God that I got a, I got away with that one. Like we, but they both dismissed the charges, and I was I bailed out, and they, and and both we we didn't press charges on each other, and we just you know I got to go fight another day. You know what I mean? Like I got to move on. Ladies and gentlemen, this gentleman is this Sean B. Bradley guy is full of stories just like this, and I'm trying to decide okay which ones do we want to hit the air because I'm telling y'all that's why you're going to check out this show. It's going to be phenomenal. You're going to see reenactments. It's just going to be I mean I'm you're going to get a visual to all of this stuff that we're talking. So here's where it got really it got really serious. So now I'm getting deep entrenched in the nightclubs. I'm running VIP parties. Now the money starts coming like crazy. Now on a on a on a Saturday night at Tunnel, like we had like five six thousand people come into the Tunnel, and we had VIP parties with about maybe like three hundred uh, people. I was doing uh, parties for like Angelica Calio from Calvin Klein, from with Grace Jones, Boy George, all sorts of crazy stuff. I'm making in a night. Easy, you know, five, six thousand dollars a night. But do the math. If I'm doing, if I'm working two or three nights a week, I would be in the VIP rooms 
making so much money that that's fallen out of my pockets where Billy V and Anthony A, my, my two people that were working with me and, and for me at that time, um, you know, Anthony was working more for me. Billy was working more with me. This is how my friends were mad dope. Like, they would pick up the money falling out of my pockets. And, yeah, they would take a couple hundred dollars here one and there. Me, yeah, one, one for, for me. One for, yeah. And so, but... but that's how I had it like that is that you're I was so wrecked and partying but I would go home and and have a DJ bag like dumped out with piles and piles of cash during this time I got clicked up with um, a crack dealer from Queens we just call him El Will and I got uh, hooked up with um, some Italians from from Bensonhurst and uh, we were like the trifecta so we were just getting involved in, in real serious business at this point I was selling bulletproof vest to crack dealers in Queens um, I yeah, was multiple revenue streams mul- yeah multiple yeah that's it. so look you know, so bulletproof vest to crack dealers in Queens I had um, I was getting cloned cell phones I was actually I had a tower and I was getting the, I was making the cloned cell phones I was uh, I also was How doing credit card stuff you know you don't even know so now I'm getting deeper in the club scene. My girlfriend at the time, she was a stripper, crazy girl. Um, they needed, and this is how we, we figure out how to cut out the middle person. So instead of spending like $10 a pill for a thousand pills of ecstasy, we decided to go to, to you know, Europe to go to we you know, Amsterdam. To we, yeah, we went directly to the source. And so what we did is we had a flight route. We would fly from, we put her on the flight, you know, from JFK. She'd fly into Belgium, take a train from Belgium to Holland, uh, get the package, which I'll explain in a second. And then she wouldn't go back to Belgium. She'd take a train to Germany and then from Germany fly back to the United States. So we had four country flight route and we were pressing pills, okay, like in Holland. So we are the ones that brought the Playboy bunnies to the United States. And we were bringing 10,000 pills of ecstasy. Not like Hugh Hefner's Playboy Bunny. No, no, no. We're talking about ecstasy <laughs> pills. So we're talking about, um, in just do the math. We probably brought in a half a million pills of ecstasy in you know in, in less than a year. And so we're talking about like over a, almost a two million dollar international ecstasy operation. I was doing at eighteen years wow. old. Man, LA, I got I got hit by in one year, I get hit by four agencies. I got hit by the Bayshore Task Force. And I'm on I'm on bail. I get hit by the United States Secret Service for counterfeit money. Mm. I get hit by the uh, Woodbridge police on another state charge, and then I got hit by the DEA on, on the drug charge. So in, in less than two years I had I got hit by four different agencies and it was just insane. So thank God I have one of the best federal attorneys in the United States, his name's Lee Ginsburg. And uh, you know, I, I was looking at like twenty plus years. I wound up getting ten and doing three straight years. Mm, yeah. So this is crazy. So I'm just gonna ask this question because I mean, you talked about all of that, and again, it's it's sensationalized just so people can understand what was going on, right? But when you think about it, when we getting hit with these four things, is it like, oh shoot, I shouldn't have did it? Is it like, oh shoot, this is not, it's not end up being worth it? Break that down for us in the last couple seconds. Listen, I blew up in New York City. I was hustling my whole life, but for two years, I was on top of the world, and I lost three years of my life. Would I do it again? No, but hell yeah. <laughs> hell yeah, it was worth it. I was balling. I was on top of the world. Oh, Absolutely. Ladies and gentlemen, we're going to hear more from our guy. 
against all odds. It's the Sean V. Bradley after this break. Did you know that Car.com is a website to connect consumers like you, me, our parents, basically everybody to local car dealers? Car.com helps us find that perfect vehicle. From new vehicles to certified pre-owned, Car.com will help you find the best vehicle match. Car.com practically started the online car shopping experience. Peace of mind and finding your perfect vehicle, it's what they do. Car.com, we do the research, you do the driving. Get started getting that peace of mind today at Car.com. Do you have scars, stretch marks, cuts, burns? Did you just have surgery or you're about to have surgery? Well, ScarFood is a series of products and creams designed specifically to nourish and repair scars. ScarFood has helped tens of thousands of patients worldwide repair and heal their scars. Follow ScarFood LLC on Instagram or go to ScarFood.com and send us a product advice form along with photos and let our scar experts tell you exactly what you need to feed and heal those scars. Hey, first of all, let me thank everyone for tuning into our radio show every weekend. But if you're looking for more interactivity, make sure you download Clubhouse and follow Sean V. Bradley and the Blind Master. We're on every single weekday morning at 7 a.m. From nothing to everything. Welcome back to the Against All Odds radio show. And we're here with the one and only Sean V. Bradley. <laughs> Mr. Bradley. Yes. So here's the thing. You talked about, you know, all of that crazy stuff you did. You got hit by these different agencies. I'm assuming you went to prison. You talk about that, right? <laughs> yeah, I went to prison. And uh, that was interesting in itself. Uh, I wound up doing three straight years in prison, um, mostly in the feds, but a little bit in the state because I had to, you know, fight the other two charges. So I had a four-year sentence, three-year sentence, two-year sentence, and one-year sentence. All of it was run concurrently except for the uh, one-year Secret Service that was run consecutively because I violated my uh, federal uh, parole. So I'm in prison. Obviously, it's crazy. Um, I was 19 years old when I went to prison, and when I was in the feds, I was with the Italians, you know, because I'm, I'm, you know, part Italian, and I had a lot of connections with some seriously powerful Italians from from uh, Bensonhurst and Mulberry Street in, in New York City. But I studied Russian, and so I actually befriended some of the most powerful Russian people, uh, the, the Russian organized crime people that ever touched their, you know, the American soil. One of them is this guy named Vladimir Topkov. If you Google him, it's insane. He's the highest, highest ranking Russian uh, organized crime people, him and Napunchuk Ivankov. So I'm in prison and um, it, it, there's a lot of different emotions that are there. Obviously, I was devastated after being like this rock star VIP promoter right. and having all this money and, mm-hmm. you know, just living the fast life to, to being in a cell. And I, I tell the story that one of the most traumatic experiences in the in, that happened to me is I'll never forget... I, when I was at my darkest, LA and Karina, um, I didn't know if I wanted to 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 go through this, and I, I was facing twenty plus years. Mm-hmm. So can you imagine being nineteen years old, and they're telling you that you might do more years in prison than you have already on this planet? Yeah, that's crazy. That's crazy, you know. And and these these feds were dirty. There was a lot of that. That's why there's all these movies on this. So I remember that I got into a fight, which I'll tell you about. In a second, and I'm in no, the just hole. Just like the boys' home. Goodness yeah, gracious. no, yeah. So I, I got into a fight, and I got put into the hole. The hole is called administrative segregation, and in MCC Manhattan Federal, that's where. Um, uh, what is it, the guy that uh, they said killed himself? Didn't really do so, mm-hmm. right? You know what I'm talking about. Mm-hmm. And um, they put the guy that blew up the World Trade Center. 
uh, the first time in 1993, he was in my cell. And this is crazy because um, he speaks Arabic and Spanish. So here I am uh, speaking a little bit of Spanish and sign language to this to this terrorist who is my cellmate. And that's what got me through because before, right before they put him into the cell, I remember taking my orange jumpsuit, which is you have to wear when you're in administrative segregation at MCC Manhattan. And I had it wrapped around my neck and I had it wrapped around uh, the top bunk. And I thought I was going to kill myself. And I thought I was going to end it. But when they put this guy in my cell the, the next day, it, my paradigm shifted. I was like, wow, if this is the most that the United States of America could do to me besides execute me, if they're going to put the person that blew up the World Trade Center, a real al-Qaeda terrorist, in, in the same cell as me, then, man, I could handle this. I could handle whatever cause, you know, that's coming my way. Yeah. And so that was a crazy experience in prison. I got involved in gang stuff. That's where um, I became a full member of the TF organization, which is Together Forever. Um, and I got blessed in by, you know, the, the, the founder and the godfather of the entire TF organization, who's now doing Life Plus 30 in federal prison, uh, Paulie Zance. And um, it was just crazy. Sometimes prison was really hard and difficult, but I laughed and had some fun in jail. You know, uh, again, we used to make prison hooch. We used to, you know, uh, again, you're there for years. So you could either make it a crappy experience or, or try to live while you're there. Um, I'll tell you a funny story. Actually, I've never told anybody this before. I actually knocked somebody out. Now, you guys might think that I swear to you, I've only knocked one person so five out. Five, yo. I'm 5'5". Five five. I've, I've only knocked one person out in my life, and it was in prison. This was a Middlesex County jail. And... Um, um, this was a Muslim dude, so it could have it could have went really bad for me. Mm-hmm. But what happened was, is I'm sitting at the breakfast. I'll never forget. I got my tray. I'm sitting down, and this dude um, who's a Muslim, because you could tell from his hat and his beard and everything like that in jail, that's how they they they, they dress um, and carry themselves. Uh, you know that you don't mess with certain you know gangs or cliques, and normally you don't mess with Muslims because they roll deep. You know, what I mean, you just respect them right. and what have you. But this dude kept on trying me. He kept on coming to me. And getting in my face. And I was ignoring him. But the prison rules is if you act like a mm, you get treated like a mm. So I, I just, it was just reflex. He put his hand, he, he was running his mouth. I didn't say anything. And I don't even know why he did so. But when he put his hand, like he put his finger on my face to mush me, I just caught back. Yeah, yeah, he tried to punk me. He tried to, you know, and I just hit him dead on his chin and dropped him. And what was crazy is for a second, I thought I was about to get jumped because because he was yeah. right next to him was the rest of the Muslims. Yo, the people at his table jumped up. I remember this guy, Khalif. This is, tr- this is a true story. Khalif jumped up and said, yo, my little dude is handing out fifths of whiskey. <laughs> yo, and, yo, yo. Yeah, that's exactly what happened. And so he wasn't put to sleep. He got knocked out. You know, and he it was almost like Mike Tyson's punch out, mm-hmm. you know, with Glass Joe yeah. where he's like, oh, yeah. he He's falling, zigzag- yeah, zigzagging. Yep. He dropped. <laughs> he laid there for a little bit, like, you know, about a couple seconds, then he got up. But that, I got my respect right yes. there. They're like, yo, if this dude is going to turn around and just handle his right there, yep. then all right. And it was all good from there. But here's a funny story with jail. I was hustling in prison, folks. What I used to do is I used to buy from the from the COs, from the correction officers, for $20, I'd buy a pack of Newport 100s, and then I would make cigarette joints out of them because it was a, a no-smoking facility. What we would do is basically get uh, the toilet paper roll, like the tissue, and we would take
take one Newport 100 and make four cigarette joints. And so I used to make $120 off of a pack of Newports. Um, and how the commerce in there is that I would get for one Roly either two soups or three candy bars. And then I had a store. And what a store is is that you only go shopping once a week. Okay, and what happens is is that if you, Karina, wanted you know two soups, you got to give me three soups next time in commissary. So you're constantly keeping your money working for you. And the last thing I'm going to say, and then we're going to change the subject, is I ran a huge credit card scam from prison. From prison, I was popping the phone lines while I was incarcerated, and I would get credit cards, and I would buy like the other inmates. Like for that was my fee. You know, I, mean, I used to make money. I used to make anywhere from fifty bucks to a hundred bucks. And I would buy like um, uh, teddy bears. I would buy three dozen roses, flowers. And like if you watch Shawshank Redemption, the guy that could get you stuff in prison, that wasn't me. (laughs) I was a dude that if you wanted to get stuff to your people on the streets, your girl, your mom, your this and that, I was able to send presents out there. And one last final thing. Yo, yo, when I was in in the county, because when I was going back and forth fighting my case, you know, and just settling it. I'll never forget, it was the hysterical thing that the inmates would be banging on the door. Yo, CEO, CEO, let me out. Let me out. Let me out. I'm I got to check my voicemail because I had all the shot callers who the people that run the different, right. the blacks, the whites, Hispanics. The, I had the shot callers. I had uh, given them the credit card numbers and they were doing the party lines. They had these thirsty chicks that were bailing them out of wow. jail that was there. So, yeah, LA, that was some crazy wow. stuff in prison. That's crazy. <laughs> <laughs> wow. All right. So, so, all right. So, you do your time. You know, you come out. How does one train? Transfer from all of that to now you have a radio show, you buy the guy have a TV show, you like super duper. I mean, you own a company called Dealer Synergy, you own a bunch of other companies, you got a phenomenal wife, you got these Aww, awesome kids. How, <laughs> look, tell us real, how do you make well, that Well, none of this, um, this, all this almost didn't happen because when I came home from prison, for a little bit, I was working at Food Town, slinging that deli meat, ham and cheese. I got you, you know. And I was, I felt like I was like Donald Trump, you know, or before the drama. You know, what I mean, I felt like I was P Diddy, you know, at Food Town because after being locked down from nineteen to twenty-two, um, anything that you're doing, you know, being a deli person was like I felt like I was on Wall Street. Yes. But then that wore off because Billy, he had me moving with him, and uh, he was, you know, hustling, and I'm sitting there working like forty hours, making like minimum wage, making less than two hundred dollars a week. Mm. He's in his like boxers with Cheerios, uh, like out of like a movie, and all these chicks are coming <laughs> in and out, and I'm like, oh, I couldn't no. do this. So I jump back to Brooklyn. I go back to Brooklyn. I re up and and I start hustling again. So when I was about 22 and a half years old, before I was 23, I started selling drugs again, and uh, back to what I went do. back to what I knew because I was getting that paper. And then I don't know what it is. I don't know if it's God. I don't know if it's the universe, but something more than just normal something consumed me and said you got to stop internally nobody i felt it inside that i had to stop so i moved to red bank new jersey and i thought that i was gonna uh get uh, i thought i was renting a room i wound up i got bait and switch i wound up spending 500 dollars a month la to rent a couch mm. i had a thousand dollars cash i had a, a tape deck walkman and i had a backpack and I had just the desire to change my life. And I met my first wife um, there. She was a waitress, and I was a waiter. And we got married. Then we had uh, Kalina. Um, and it, it was it was crazy. But at this time, I sucked as a waiter. So Billy, again, he's always a big part of my life. He told me to start selling cars. And L.A., yo, it's like... It's like a fish to water. You know what I mean? It's, it was, I was in my element because it's everything that I could do on the streets, whether it's bulletproof vests, it's cell phones, it's ecstasy from Europe. I was able to, to, 
to meet people and, and wheel and deal and, and solve problems and network supply and demand, but it was legal. I didn't have DTs. I didn't have federal agents. I didn't have people trying to kill me or rob me or uh, exploit you know my, my connections. Right. I was able to, to, to really take everything I learned my entire life from being six years old in Queens and in Brooklyn. Marketing, marketing out, advertising. Working with others, yeah. building relationships. Yes, 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 <laughs> yes, 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 yes. And then L.A., but my street mentality, just like instead of just buying a clone cell phone and spending that money, I thought, okay, let me get the box and make my own clone cell phones. Instead of just buying wholesale pills from from the United States, let me cut out the middle person and fly to Amsterdam and import 10,000 pills. Same thing. Instead of working for somebody at a dealership, I figured out in 2004, let me be in control of my own destiny. If I could make a hundred and almost sixty thousand dollars as an employee, man, can you imagine if I started my own business? So taking a leap of faith, I started Dealer Synergy mm-hmm. with literally a thousand dollars that wasn't even really mine. My aunt and uncle co-signed my car, they co-signed a cell phone and they got me a credit card, you know, in their name, but I was using it. So it's all my stuff, but they used their credit and their Shout co-sign. Out to uncle Joe and aunt Chicky. Shout out to yeah. Uncle Joe and Aunt Chicky. <laughs> and I now turned like nothing to a $50 million business. You know, Dealer Synergy's been um, around for 17 plus years. All of our clients are multi-billion, multi-million dollar businesses. Mm. And we've officially, LA, have generated verifiably over $1.2 billion in additional revenue for our clients. That's crazy. That's amazing stuff. And so now, you know, we got the family here. And I want to kind of just talk a little bit about, because you guys, as you said, you guys almost didn't exist. Like, how did the three of you kind of wrap I know we got the two, you know, younger boys and everything. How'd you guys rally around? Xander, shout out to Xander and little Sean. (laughs) The sequel. How'd you guys rally around this guy? I mean, he he, he literally a a freaking flower come up out of the concrete, right? And now here you guys come. Like, how did did that work? So (laughs) Silence. (laughs) Yeah. So, again, as far as what, like, the girls, when when they first met each other, uh, they were going to kill each other. We didn't know if me and Karina were going to survive, but they, they we, we grew into a family. You what know, did you see in Sean? Like, I want you to tell us. Did I see him? Yeah. What? This dude came to me with yo-yo skills, healing. Um, of course, he's a good talker. He was able to convince me into things. No. So he was uh, fun. He was, was oh, it, was it, fun, interesting, obviously very attractive, which I guess you don't know LA. Sean is very attractive. Oh, boy. <laughs> I don't even know that part. <laughs> Keep talking, keep talking, keep talking. Oh, I mean, I could go on and on. Yeah, it was, but the thing that I'm the most proud of by far is the family. The fact that that's what I never had. I never had a mom and a dad. I never had, um, like, you know, that that love. And I would say that my my biggest accomplishment, because I'm, I found the richest man in the world is because of my wife and my four kids and my two pugs. We are extremely tight. And the fact that my wife and I, own all these companies. The fact that one of my daughters works for the company, the fact that my other daughter is going through training to eventually come work in the family business, we are synergistically, interdependently growing an empire. Yeah, that's the most beautiful part, right? From the streets of New York to building an empire for your family. Listen, y'all, if you stay tuned to the podcast, we got a little bit more to share with you. This is the Against All Odds Odds. Odds. Radio Show. (laughs) 
Hey world, this is Sean V. Bradley, and if you need to buy a new or pre-owned car and want to have the best, most community experience ever, get full transparency, the absolute lowest price, no stress, best customer service, well, I highly recommend car.com. Do you have scars, stretch marks, cuts, burns? Did you just have surgery or you're about to have surgery? Well, Scarfood is a series of products and creams designed specifically to nourish and repair scars. Scarfood has helped tens of thousands of patients worldwide repair and heal their scars. Follow Scarfood LLC on Instagram or go to scarfood.com and send us a product advice form along with photos and let our scar experts tell you exactly what you need to feed and heal those scars. Did you know that car.com is a website to connect consumers like you, me, our parents, basically everybody to local car dealers? Car.com helps us find that perfect vehicle. From new vehicles to certified pre-owned, car.com will help you find the best vehicle match. Car.com practically started the online car shopping experience. Peace of mind and finding your perfect vehicle, it's what they do. Car.com, we do the research, you do the driving. Get started getting that peace of mind today at car.com. You're listening to WORK Radio. The only place success comes before work is in the dictionary. Ladies and gentlemen, we are back on the Against All Eyes Radio Show, the podcast version, Ooh. right? <laughs> oh, yeah. So this is all the extra stuff that, yes. you know, wasn't necessarily on the airwaves. But listen, this is where y'all need to be anyway, because I'm telling you, you get all the good stuff yep. over here. <laughs> so, I mean, we talked about family. I'm so glad you got a chance to, you know, really talk about how blessed you are. Because, honestly, I, I know, I've known all of these, these three ladies for... Years now, almost Very as long, long as you know. Like I, yes. I, I met <laughs> when I met Karina. She was pregnant with Little Sean, so I've been wow. around you know fourteen plus years. You know, yes. <laughs> wow. <laughs> and Crazy. so I've been knowing, and they're they're awesome ladies. And so I, you are definitely blessed with this. I mean, the money's kind of nice too. You know, what I'm saying especially <laughs> that pool. Oh my god, <laughs> stuff. So, but but outside of this, you have family who aren't family, right? You got family that's not. You got a tribe that you've built. Like, talk a little bit about that, Sean. Well, the first tribe is is you, you and Naima, uh, Franca and Billy, um, you know, Matt and Joe and Jasmine and Kylie, like my my number one tribe next to my my blood family is the dealer synergy family. Like, you know, we are very, very tight. It is truly a family owned and operated business. But, you know, I'm proud to say that we have like an international tribe in multiple countries from Ireland, Canada. It's called, you know, the the millionaire motivations that we do on Clubhouse. So Mm -hmm. Clubhouse has been phenomenal. We've had people like uh, D. You know, yeah. Karen from Canada, <laughs> Joshua, Marcos from Austin Street, Vitaly, you know, Linda Sims, um, Coach April. Corey, April Johnson, yep. Stephanie, April uh, yeah, you know, Allie. Uh, again, so we have so many Solar people. Jess. Yeah, then we have Jesse, we have Damon, uh, the, and we can't get everybody no. named here. We'll be here for an hour. But so, so Karina, so go through some of the questions yeah, that they so asked. So this morning, everyone was pumped that you were going to be doing this session today. Everyone, you know, like I said, earlier they've heard your story but they haven't really heard it so they're really excited about this and they had some questions of their own for you so i was hoping to be able to take some time right now to kind of rattle some of those things off so we can get those questions answered let's do it see here's the thing you guys know that you listen to me always you know promoting uh the normal that morning show that we do every single day on clubhouse and so these are the people who we're talking about we definitely have to make sure we get these questions absolutely talk to us kb all right so the very first question is from d D and he asked what would the current 44-year-old Sean ask or advise to the four, say, 
five-year-old little Sean? What would you, if, you, if little Sean was sitting here today at five years old, what would you tell him? That it's going to be okay. So what I would, what I would tell um, me back then, if I could go back in time, I pulled me to the side by a little man, listen, you might not understand this, you might not be able to see through this, but I'm here to tell you from the future that uh, <laughs> it's going to be okay. You're going you're gonna to marry your dream girl. You're going to have kids of your own. You're going to influence millions of people. And all that you're going through is just going to mold you to becoming the man that you're destined to be uh, for the world. So, again, don't give up. Know that it's going to get a hell of a lot better. I promise. Mm -hmm. That's good stuff. Yes. Love that. (laughs) Um, Next one is actually from Mama Dukes, Anna. Uh, She had asked, and you kind of touched on this during the radio segment. Um, However, if you want to add anything to this. So what changed your mindset? So what was that specific light bulb or aha moment that made you transition from doing the criminal life to... Right, because you said you just snapped. You said yeah. it was just like a voice in your head. But you got to kind of get into the feeling. Yeah, I mean, you yeah I'm going to say this. Yeah, I'm just, you know what? I, I want to just thank you that we're doing this in this space because I don't think that I would feel comfortable answering the question the way I'm about to answer it if I was being interviewed by Ellen or Steve Harvey because I don't know the people or Oprah, <laughs> it, it, you know, because you guys are family to me. So I'm going to just tell you this and it might sound crazy. I feel like I'm chosen. I feel like I am destined. And and I felt that way since I was a kid. And I'm not just saying that. Like, I knew since I was a kid I was destined for greatness. I would tell people as a child in in poverty and in prison even, I'm destined for greatness. So I don't think it's that I made a decision. I think that I'm chosen. You know, and I, I am put on this planet and it's and I don't even think that I've hit my full potential yet, to be honest with you. And so what happened, um, I think that my my soul kicked in my my the universe, you know, created different doors for me to to walk through. You know what I'm saying? Like, so it's not like I made a decision. So, you know what, today I'm going to change my life and I'm going to work really hard. You know, no, I I I just did what I was supposed to do at the right time. Right. And that's so important for for each and every person that's listening to this is that, you know, you got to learn to listen to yourself and just do what you're supposed to do. And I think, you know, everything that Sean talked about on this show, uh, like he said, prepared him for that moment to be able to hear himself. Because so many times you can't hear yourself because you're not paying attention. It's kind of like where, you know, meditation, that type of stuff comes in. But he had a a different form of meditation than Sean can tell. Absolutely. (laughs) And I don't think you're crazy at all. I feel like we've all felt that way at some point in our life, like we were destined or meant to do something bigger than our circumstances Mm -hmm. at the time. Mm. Yeah, most of us don't listen. Most of us just keep (laughs) on that. You know, we just, because we allow other people to tell us, oh, that's just a pipe dream. Oh, sit down, go do, you know what I mean? And we we never do it, so it's crazy. Exactly. Okay, you got some more questions? Yeah, a a few more, actually. (laughs) So the next one is from Coach Corey, and he asks, what about your past life do you miss today? Mm. (sighs) You know what? (laughs) That gangster lifestyle, you know, again, being able to, uh, you know, just get that fast money. And I make money, but I don't know, it's hard to explain, and it might be bad, but being able to make, like, 
and it's so funny now because six thousand dollars really isn't right. jacked to me right now. Absolutely. But making that fast money um, in the, the 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 techno music, I think the entertainment, the rock star lifestyle—that's what yeah. I miss. Mm-hmm. Not the gangsters stealing and 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 bulletproof vests, but being in the fast lane, being um, you know like the the bad boy in there, you know, just like <laughs> being fresh to death. I you miss can't be bad now with a wife, four kids, and two pugs. And two pugs, and pugs. yeah. <laughs> so I I do I because I still feel like I'm a rock star. In, in certain you know areas, and and I and people treat me like a rock star when I when I do my events. I'm on stage, but it's different, you know. I, you know what I do miss the most? Actually, here's I'm gonna, I'm amend that, Coach Corey. What I miss the most because I'm older, the circles. I, like I'm a professional dancer, and I am nowhere near even close to what I used to be when I was a teenager. When I was 17, 18 years old. I would I, I would battle anybody, and I don't think there was any person breathing that could touch me. I I mixed my dancing, capoeira, uh, New York City b boy, and uh, r- like liquid rave dancing, and I had a very unique style. And I got some video footage in the archives. I got to find, and um, you know that's what I miss. I miss having a large crowd around me in a circle, and I'm battling. You know, I'm mm-hmm. battling on that dance floor, doing power head glides and windmills, and the crowd's screaming, you know. I, your name, absolutely, huh? you know, <laughs> but uh, but in that in that entertainment right. area. I, I loved that energy, people screaming, chanting, and vibing. Fun, I don't, right? yeah, yeah. It was fun. Uh, and see, here's the thing. That's the reason why I personally believe that I'm, you know, the reason why I'm in your life, right? I say this all the time is that I offer Sean something that, you know, the ladies and the you know the proper life doesn't necessarily offer him because I come from the streets. You see what I'm saying? I come from the hood in North Philly. And so sometimes people are like, dang, you talk to LA like that, but that is a that is my gift to him, right? Because he know he Sean could pretty much say whatever to me, you know what I'm saying, in whatever way, and it's I ain't going nowhere. Like we we're locked up, you know what I'm saying? We gonna be tight. Like it's gonna and and that's something that you can't you know, most you're not gonna be able to find that everywhere. I'm just telling y'all right now. Like, <laughs> nah, listen, I'm about to bring LA into the family. You know, what I mean, we just got to turn on, teach them the secret handshake. <laughs> <laughs> My hands is all jacked up. I have no idea. I play piano. The That's what I do. <laughs> bring a fire. We're talking about finding Nemo, folks. Oh boy! All right, so talk to okay. Tell us some more questions. All right, so. I really like this question. This is from Jason Coons, who's been in our life for a very long time. Yep. Uh, do you think you would have the life? The Eagles fan, I'll say. Yeah. <laughs> That's he a loves the, the Eagles. Absolutely. absolutely. Like, loves them more than I do, which is absolutely amazing. Cause that's He's really a Redskins fan, y'all. <laughs> Go ahead. All right, sorry. I'm sorry. The football team. You can, oh, not, ask no, the question. Football okay. team. Go ahead. All right. Do you think you would have the life that you have today without your past? Uh, absolutely not. I think that my past conditioned me for all this. I don't think that I would be the father that I am. And again, I'm far from perfect, but if I didn't experience uh, all the, the travesty that I did, if I did not experience the deadbeat dad, I don't think that I would be the same type of dad. I don't think um, I would have, I don't think I would have seen the world the way that I do. Mm-hmm. I see things differently. And L.A. understands me probably more than most people. You understand me on a different level because you're my wife, you know, and you're my other half. But I think that uh, L.A. gets me, and I have this ridiculous instinct and this this intuitions when it comes to, like, certain things. And I think that's because I'm conditioned by all the chaos and craziness that I've seen. So, no, I don't think that I would be at the same level 
or the same person without all these experiences. I firmly believe that everything that I experienced, good, bad, pretty, ugly, molded me into the professional and the person that I am today. So when you were younger, I hear or I've heard from your aunt and uncle that there was a possibility that maybe you were going to go live with them because of all the craziness. So do you feel if that had happened, do you think you'd be successful today? Do you think if you were pulled from that environment and those circumstances that you would yes, be successful? Yes, I have? do. I just been it would have been different. Uh, yeah. You got to understand. I I, I told it you I'm destined. destined. <laughs> I'm exactly. I see on cue. I was destined. So this is my path. Like profound success. Like think about this for a second, folks. Anything that I ever said I was going to do, I'm going to be a kingpin. Kingpin. You know, I'm going to be the top of the world of clubs. Top of the world of clubs. I'm going to be a best-selling author. Best-selling author. I'm going to be a radio show host. Radio show host. I'm going to be uh, a TV star. Right. I'm going to be a TV star. All I'm going to have a movie. Every you to where you are today. Yes. It might have been a different. It might have been. Um, you know, the scenic the, route. The scenic route. Exactly. <laughs> it might have been the scenic route. But I would have been brought back to you know this level. Yes. Beautiful stuff. Awesome. Keep talking to okay. Keep bringing it. All right. So Linda Sims wants to know what was your most prized possession as a kid versus now, and also your relationships. I guess what were your most prized GI Joes? Yeah, LA got it. So my my prize yeah GI Joes. So my my prized possession as a little kid was uh, two things: baseball cards. Ricky mm-hmm. Henderson, my favorite, uh, you know, uh, baseball player. He was famous for stealing bases. And, and, you know, I mean, like anything he could steal. Yeah, I mean, like, funny. yeah, no, that he he broke the records for for like you know stealing bases. That's why mm-hmm. I liked him. So mm-hmm. Ricky Henderson was my favorite uh, baseball player. New York Yankees uh, was my favorite baseball team, and then GI Joes. Those were my. And I had a lot of other things that I liked, but things that I coveted as a kid was baseball cards and um, you know my GI Joes. My GI Joes. Tell us about that. Because I, I I just liked the whole army aspect yes, and I you liked the army and I, and I had and my and my favorite thing was uh, my favorite here's something I loved planes and and we talk about this on the TV show I used to Ellie I don't know if you know this I used to read the encyclopedia from cover to cover the, like the whole series of encyclopedias I would do research and when I found out about the SR-71 Blackbird that was my favorite plane mm-hmm. um, I, I learned about Mach 1 speed of sound 752 miles per hour you know and and I would obsess about things so I would say that would be the third thing so G.I. Joe's the SR-71 Blackbird um, and video games I was I used to have this small room and I had posters of all the maps and all I was super geeky and I would I would I would and back then we had to blow the cartridge (laughs) and tap the cartridge and then put it into the Nintendo uh, and Game Boy. So video games were, were definitely, you know, my, my thing back then. And now the second half of the question is what are my prized possessions today? So um, can I say my people that I own, like my kids? <laughs> okay. I think that's so, okay. That's the relationship. Yeah. Okay. No, but, but I want to no, Possession-wise, this is crazy. I wear it. So my, my, I have a black diamond fetish. And so one of my prized possessions is, is my wedding band. It's, it's, a, it's a black diamond, really expensive uh, thing. But this is single-handed, my, my most prized oh. possession. I told you that, Karina, you know that is my, is my, is my wedding band. Every time I hear it, it's still sweet. Hey, my dream girl. So this is my, my favorite possession. My, one of my other possessions, I, that's why I wear them all with me. So as, as crazy as this sound, I know Karina's not going to like this, but my TF... It means a lot to me for multiple reasons because it reminds me of where I came from and, you know, and that life and, 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 and it represents to me the, the evolution, mm-hmm. you know, of, of what possibilities could be. 
And then my other possession that I, I, I love is, is my other rings, you know. So one of them is the, the uh, Illuminati uh, entrance fee, like the, uh, the, black, the, the, the onyx that I have in here. But actually one of my favorite ones is Xander. So when Xander, he got me the skull ring right here. And so this is one of my, my favorite possessions that I have. So I try to wear, you know, like what my possessions are. That's why I, whenever I do these events or when I do shows and I'm on camera, I just I usually try to have things that are, you know, close to me. Yeah. I have cufflinks for my wife, and I have uh, collar stays that are engraved. So, and to me, it's where they like you're always with me, yeah. you know. And then my other, I know, it's so sweet. My, no, my other prized possession are my tattoos. I carry my kids on my neck. I have uh, Sean on my throat. I have Xander, you know, on my neck. I have uh, Kalina on my on my on my side of my neck. I have Kalina. I mean Tiana on the other side of my neck. I have Karina on my forearm, and I have Karen uh, on my back of my neck. So my tattoos, I, I I love a lot. So my my jewelry and and my tattoos, things that I could wear with me, uh, I take with me because they're important. As far as relationships go. I really like everybody hated me when I was a kid. Like, I, like uh, kids hated me, and and I didn't really have any friends, and um, I was more of a loner. So I don't really, I can't really say relationships, except I would say my grandmother. So Sarah uh, Bradley, I'm uh, sorry, Grimaldi. She just learned. Yeah, recently. I don't even want to get into that right now on the air. So. Um, not Kalina Sarah Bradley, yeah. but Sarah yeah. Grimaldi, my grandmother, was the most incredibly kind person to me. So uh, my grandmother was probably the best relationship and the most sacred person to me as a kid. Now it's, it's, it's my wife, my kids, my, my pugs, who I adore, like Wonton, yes, and then my tribe, you know, like my, my work family, and then, you know, all my people that I roll with. So That's next nice. question. That's awesome. All right. So um, Karen from Canada would like to know what do you do, and I believe I'm phrasing this question correctly, what do you do now with your kids because of the childhood that you had? Hmm. Yeah. Great question. So I want also the girls to ask questions too after this, so I want them to think of a question. I have a few more and then yeah, so cool. So uh, what I would say is what do I do differently with my kids? Uh, a couple things. One, I, I'm not – perfect by far but I try to encourage them I try to tell them that they could do anything anything that they want to do anything that they put their mind to they can do if you want to be a pop star be a pop star you want to be a TV star be a TV star you want to be you know whatever don't limit yourself life is too short the other thing is I try to expose these kids to as much as I can for example right now we have uh, half of our kids we have our daughters because the the boys are in school we have our daughters here at, at the iHeart Studios where major major celebrities are at and we're recording a radio show for broadcast radio it's going to front of a million people the girls have been on music videos the girls have started music videos with famous you know uh, artists uh, they've been on book tours they saw you know they've been to the National Speakers Association you know kids class I've exposed them to the secret, the laws of attraction, Robert Kiyosaki, rich dad, poor dad, rich kid, poor kid. Um, I try to give them the influence of abundance, success, prosperity, stuff that I was never given, I didn't even know about. So I think that's a big difference that, that I give them. All right. These Good. next two questions are for me, actually. Mm. Um, what is the one <laughs> yes and yes. <laughs> I will do that. <laughs> Sorry, guys. What has been it. one of the most difficult decisions that you've had to make in order to pursue your passions or your dreams? Mm. 
the most difficult decisions, I, I don't know if, I, if I'm going to answer that the right way, mm-hmm. but what I hear and what I want to respond is, what is one of the most difficult things I have to do in, in my success? I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to change the question a sure. little bit. The most difficult aspect of my life right now is that when I have to travel. I, I, I absolutely hate that part of my life. When I'm in a hotel room by myself and I'm not with uh, my, my wife and my dogs and my, my kids, uh, I get very, very sad. And, um, you know, I try to keep busy by watching TV shows. So when you get mad at me for watching Amazon Prime or Netflix, it's because I, I just try to just stack myself because it's very hard to have my whole world um, in, in Medford, New Jersey, and I'm in some hotel or what have you. You might think that I'm, I'm living it up or whatever, and I might be in a five-star hotel or going here or going there, but I'd rather be in our crazy house, you know, with our, our whole crazy, you know, crew. So that's single-handedly the most difficult aspect of my life is when I have to leave the most incredible part of my life to, to go in a hotel for a client or for a business opportunity. As far as decision goes... Um, I don't know what Maybe the... Maybe giving up a cushy salary to pursue your, your no, own business? No, not even. That wasn't hard at all. It was no. easy. I, I, you know, that's there. I would say... Uh, can you repeat the question again? Yeah. What is the one of the most difficult decisions you had to make in order to pursue your dreams? Even when either when it was first starting out? Yeah, I, I would... Or it, to sell cars yeah, or... I'd say that the most difficult decision... Um, wow, if you were to take it back there, when I first started, uh, me and my ex-wife, there, we had a lot of drama, but one of the things is that I, uh, that I had to make the decision that I knew that I, I wanted more. And, you know, she, I understand her perspective. She didn't understand why would I give up a $100,000-a-year job? Why would I throw the keys to a demo and, and do that when we had so much more than we ever? Because I, I knew, though, I knew that we, I was capable of more. I knew that I was capable for, for greatness and not settle. So that was really hard. And that, and, and it caught, that wasn't the only thing because I, I was crazy as hell and, and she was crazy as hell, too. But it, it, we were young. But that was very difficult. And in the very beginning, I did have to, um, you know, sacrifice time with, with my daughter. And that was hard. But I never, but I would say this, I never missed one weekend. I never missed one time with her. And I was always there. But sometimes she might not remember, but I would be exhausted. I remember, you know, it was a shitty dad time when I, I would have this young girl over my house, my apartment. And, you know, I was, and she was like, maybe like four, five years old, you know, and, um, I'm passed out and she's watching cartoons, you know what I mean? Because I was tired from working on the computer and trying to take over the world. So sacrificing time with your loved ones, it would be definitely one of my regrets and a decision I had to do. Yeah. Kalia, do you remember? Because I think that's that's a big deal that a lot of parents go through that. Tell us if you remember um, Honestly, I don't remember him being like that. Um, I do remember us traveling a lot because you would have business trips that you'd have to go to. And, you know, like you said, you didn't miss a weekend, but that also meant I would go with you, you know, and do <laughs> go on your business trips with you. And I enjoyed doing that, and I remember us doing a bunch of fun things. So I don't, I don't know, I mean, maybe... So No, that's great. So here's the lesson, because I've heard that from so many millionaire children. They like millionaires are like, yo, I hated having to leave the kids. And so 
they don't even freaking remember it. So here's what I'm saying to you. Like, if you're coming up in the grind and you're like, dang, I got a two-year-old, do it now. Like, don't wait until, because if you, listen, if you're going to do it, just go ahead and do it. Because if you wait until they're 12, then they will start to remember that stuff. If you wait till they're 22, then they're going to be like, you should have been, you should have been, you should have been. So you might as well do it now while they're as young as they possibly can be when you're hearing this message. Just take off now. Because it's it's going to matter less than it's going to be worse for them if you don't do it. They're going to be like, I wish I had some money. Right. <laughs> yes. All right. You're a huge believer in the secret. This is my question yeah. as well. How do you feel that your belief in the secret has helped shape your life to what it is? Everything today? that's happened to me is from the secret from you, my queen. Mm-hmm. So uh, if I could have built you from like weird science like we talked about she's alive mm-hmm. um you personify my checklist of of a wife again to be an incredible mother to you know mother figure to my daughter who's six years old when when she met you and uh to to be funny and intelligent not many people could keep my attention because i am just my mind works at a whole higher um, rhythm, you know, and so you were everything that I could have hoped for in a woman. I mean, the longest relationship I ever had before you was two years. We've been together for 14 and a half years. So the secret is you, you know. I always wish that I had a business, and my mother will tell you guys this, that, that, that my family and friends worked at. And here we are with my nephew in the automotive industry, my one daughter in the automotive industry on the front lines, and our other daughter is working as a junior executive in Dealer Synergy. LA. I mean, like everything I ever wanted between the uh, being a, 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 f- a famous author and uh, a radio show host and a TV, you know, star and soon to be possibly a TV show host. Mm-hmm. I feel everything. It's. I feel like that I'm like a warlock and shit at sometimes that I'm able to will everything into this. So I believe with all my heart and soul of the laws of attraction. But the like like John Astroff says and how Bob Proctor from The Secret says, it's not just the laws of attraction. There's also the action. That, it, it, action be, is an attraction. Exactly. So I believe that the universe has opened up opportunities, but I had to walk through it and, and act and execute to be able to do that. So, yeah. That's fire. Very cool. <laughs> and then I believe this question was from Nina, and this is going to be the last one for me, and then we'll girls, yeah. hand it over to the girls. Um, but where do you see yourself in five years? Yeah, so this has changed dramatically in the last six months. I oh, was, and if you can kind of tie into there, someone else had asked, um, what's one thing you haven't done yet that you would like to do? So maybe tie those two together? Okay, yeah. So let me just start by saying this, that um, I... My wife's going, I just wing, I just wing it. Like I have no business model. I have, I just do stuff, you know? And so that, that's might blow people's minds, but that's, I just do. I just am I'm omnipresent on this omnidirectional microphone. So anyway, but my five years looks completely different today than it did just six months ago because of this major TV show. So I would say that in the next five years, I I I believe I really believe that I my, like that I'm going to have either a TV show, a reality show or a movie and and a best-selling book about my life. Like I already am a best-selling author, but I'm an Amazon best-selling author, which is still prestigious, but it's not a New York Times best-selling author or Wall Street Journal best-selling author. I do believe that I have an opportunity with my life story to be on the big screen. 
You know what I mean? Like Pee Wee's Big Adventure or something. You know what I mean? So I, I definitely think in the next yeah in the next five years, I'm going to be almost 50 years old. You know, I'm going to be 49 years old in the next five years. So I believe that in the next five years, um, there's going to be a bigger jump in my in my income and my net worth. I'm already a multi multi millionaire, but I think that we're going to possibly add a zero to that. And uh, I'm looking to become a centimillionaire. I'm looking to become, and I don't know if I could do it in the next five years, but I'm damn, I'm hoping. Um, and I, something I haven't done yet that I would love to do, I'd love to be in a movie. I'd love to be in a movie. And not some ghetto-ass movie either that I would be embarrassed for people <laughs> to know about. You know, and I don't want to be like in a, like one of those cheesy, like not even a B movie, but like a C movie that like, <laughs> I, and I'm, I get killed in a, like one of those slasher movies. No, I want to oh, be yeah. in a cool movie, man. <laughs> even if I'm just doing like a little, like a little part or mm-hmm. cameo or something like that, I have one line like, you know, thank you, sir, or whatever. I don't care what it is, but... <laughs> <laughs> you know, uh, but I would like to be in a movie Bring for out sure. Your waiter days, we can do that. Waiter skills yeah. yeah. So I, I think that's what the next level of my life is going to be. In the next five years is is the opportunity from this radio show, the opportunity from this this TV series that I'm in, and with with George Caceres having my own uh, TV talk show with LA and possibly with you, Karina. I think that media wise and public wise, it's going to be you know amazing. Yeah. And I have no doubt that you're going to achieve those things because everything you've set your mind on, you have. 100%. I had a question for you before we let it. Like, like, actually, yeah, before I get to this, I got one question for you. Sure. You Pitch see it. me for, like, you've been with me for 14 and a half years. What's that like? I mean, when, when you put all the stuff that we've done together, when you look at all the stuff, the TV show, the radio show, the uh, the book, and then the whole Karina Bradley project with mm-hmm. Meek Mill, Papoos, you know, the, uh, the the pop star stuff and, the, the you know, the, the Remy's wedding and right. just like what do you think about our crazy life together and what was your longest relationship with her before Sean you used to, uh, he said seven that. years okay so you yeah. did seven I doubled that shit <laughs> yeah so for me it's like crazy but it's not crazy because I share the same mindset as you and I believe in the law of attraction and I believe anything is possible so it's almost like if you expect these things they're going to naturally occur right because you you create the habit of doing activities that are going to help you achieve said things. So it's crazy to me, but it's not crazy because I believe together we can do anything. So I believe that the the best is yet to come. Um, and I may be surprised at what comes, but at the same time, I'm not surprised. Yeah. Do you want to start a movie with me? Yes. Which <laughs> <laughs> is not that kind of movie. Oh, hey. <laughs> we got a whole set. No, I'm kidding. I'm just kidding. Listen, listen, listen. <laughs> So what's crazy is that I want people to get this, too, because, uh, you know, Karina just hit it. She said, you know, when you expect great things to happen, you know they're going to happen. Here's the thing. When you expect negative things to happen, you need to know that they're going to happen, too, right? Yes. So you, what you got to change is your expectations. Mm-hmm. If you can focus, if you could figure out a way to tap in and change your expectations. Listen, the land of expectation, that's where miracles happen, both positive and negative. Don't miss it. I'm Let, trying to tell you. Let's go to the, to the lady and then we need to get this B-roll footage and be out. So uh, who wants to go first? I'd love to get a question from one of you guys. Yeah, Tiana, you've been quiet right now. You've been a little... Yeah, you know, it's first. You know, no one's asked me anything, so... <laughs> um, I would just say, like, if you could move the Bradley compound and our headquarters anywhere in the world, where would you move it and why? And, and we would all move with you. Yeah, so, like, in good. this fantasy. Not like, oh, I'm going to lose my people. So where would I like to be? Mm-hmm. Um... 
It's a crazy. I, I don't even know. <laughs> I don't. I don't even That's know. A great but yeah, That's a Belize. I would say that if I could move my my main headquarters, I think there's a couple candidates like places. I think that um, just California, one. Just one. California. Okay. I, I, Which is really was already told to yeah. us. You know, you, yeah. we got earthquakes there. Oh, right? Yeah, I was gonna say we're gonna se- they're gonna the, separate into um, their own islands. Or I would say Florida, but um, like like Boca or Miami or something like that. I don't want to be where there's um, you know I don't, yeah I want to try to avoid natural disasters. But hurricanes there, man. You yeah. can Yeah. So that's what I'm saying. I don't. I don't really know off the top, but I know that the New Jersey is like Medford is not where I want to like end up forever. You know, it was it was near and dear because that's our home. You know, and we were there for 12 years. Hey, listen, why you got to choose? Doing both. You know, that's what I'm saying. That's what I'm saying. <laughs> so, but here's what I'd say realistically, if um, if if that's the case, because we have the resources. I think uh, a place in Florida, you know, Karina's got a partner, Linda, that's based in Miami. So maybe Boca or, you know, somewhere down in Florida and, you know, Cardone is down in Florida. I think Florida might be a, a cool spot, mm-hmm. um, but I'm not sure. I like Vegas. Bradley's out there in Las Vegas. Hey, Vegas hey. is popping. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know. It's good. Yeah. It's a good like question. Las Vegas could be trouble. <laughs> <laughs> Y'all should have heard some of the prep questions. Oh, my god, It was hilarious. Uh, <laughs> so, Kalina, what question do you have in the mic? Um, I guess mine would be, like, you always give us great advice, but I feel like it would be cool to have it, because this is for the podcast, right? Mm-hmm. So, if you could give us some advice, uh, for your children, I'm saying, for, like, Sean and Xander, um, advice for them, and I would also like to hear from you, too, so that... It would just be something that we could always listen to and go back. And wow, that's super dope. So, <laughs> yeah. So what advice do I have for, for my kids? Um, I'm going to channel my PI, follow your dreams, <laughs> you know, from Certified. Follow your dreams. That's what I want to say to you is follow your dreams and think bigger. I'm going to channel my Cardone. Think big. Make your goals bigger than anything. You want to be a billionaire? Be a billionaire. You want to be? You want to help millions of people? Then help millions of people. Don't put a little stamp. That's the one thing that Cardone says he is only regret is that he didn't think bigger sooner. So follow your dreams and think big. Make your goals and your dreams so big that people think that you are a lunatic. Because how dare you think so big? Next. Always, always love your family. Always take care of your brothers. Be patient with them. Love your sister. Be patient with her. And make sure that you try to help everybody you can because you can. Help because you can. Be kind. Be, take the best from your mom and take your best from your dad. All right? Get rid of the bad stuff from us. Take the best from your dad. Take the best from your mom. And for the boys, take the best from mommy and daddy and, and learn from it. You know, be, Learn from our, our victories as well as our, our failures. You know what I mean? That's what I would love for you guys to do is see what works for us and see what doesn't work for us. And, and, and let us be the stupid ones that make these mistakes. Hopefully don't make the mistakes that we did. I would say also is understand and respect money. Money is not the most important thing, but money is freedom. Money is the ability to have choices and options. Unfortunately, money's not going to go away, whether it's cryptocurrency or it's, you know, cold, hard, green cash, you know. I would say understand and respect money and don't wait 
life is too short, as we know. Life is way too short. Live for today and, and, and don't procrastinate. You know, you guys are young. I wish at 20 and 22 years old that I, was, uh, I saved money. I was in prison, and I was just getting out of prison when I was your age, Tiana. You both have an opportunity to become self-made millionaires with real estate and duplexes and things like that. I would say, um, you know, uh, Karina always talks about what people wish that they did is they wish they spent time with the, with the people that they love the most. They wish that they followed their dreams and experienced the things they could. That's the other thing, experience things. Travel, maybe not COVID, but experience different things, experience different cultures. And um, just we're, we're here for such a short amount of time. So experience everything life is, is, has for you. Care, what advice would you say? Ditto. <laughs> I mean, obviously, Sean and I think very similarly, so I would, a lot of that advice I would advise as well. But I'd also say, you know, stay true to yourselves. You know, you're all amazing human beings, and I just think that if you stay true to that, that, you know, you're unstoppable. I would also say one thing that a lot of people allow them to stop them from pursuing dreams and doing things is caring about other people's opinions a lot of people get stuck in that, just caring, well, what will this person think? What will that person, even us, who cares what mm -hmm. we think? Do you, do what you feel is going to make you happy in life because we only have one life to live and we don't even know how long that's going to be. You know, we always talk about the 76 summers. The average person will see approximately 76 summers. So you've already seen 20 and 22 summers. Imagine that, you know, where are you on your journey? to your destination and what you want to achieve. You know, how far along are you on that? Um, and just go for it and just don't feel like you have an infinite amount of time. Be passionate. That's what I'm going to say is, is be passionate and love. Uh, again, one thing that nobody could take away from me, crazy or not, mistakes or not, is I am passionate about everything that I do. Sometimes that's a gift or that's a curse, but just be passionate. Just don't go through the, um, you know, the motions of life. Be passionate. If you're angry, fucking be angry. You know, if you are, and we're the podcast, I could say fuck right now. So if you love, then love deeply and love, you know, completely, you know. So what we're going to do now is we're going to uh, shut this thing down because we need to get the B-roll footage and get the flock out of here. All right. So uh, everybody, this is SVB and the place to be is iHeart Studios mm -hmm. with the Bradley women, yes. Karina, Kalina, and Tiana Chanel. Ow. And L.A. Williams. Yes. Appreciate y'all being, you know, just really hanging out with us. This is this has been amazing. Thanks so much, y'all. Appreciate it. Peace. The Against All Odds Radio Show comes to you every week from the city of brotherly love, Philadelphia, Pennsylvania. If you have a question about the show or would like the chance to become a guest and share your success story, we would love to talk to you. You can reach us directly at 856-546-2440. Or email us at against all odds radio show at gmail.com. This program is a presentation of Synergy Records, streaming live coast to coast and downloadable everywhere podcasts are found. The Against All Odds Radio Show is produced by Sean V. Bradley, CSP, production and engineering by L.A. Williams. The Against All Odds Radio Show is hosted every week by L.A. Williams and the millionaire car salesman himself, Mr. Sean V. Bradley, CSP. Plus, don't forget Sean's best-selling book, Win the Game of Googleopoly, is available right now on Amazon. 
Thanks for listening to the Against All Odds radio show. And remember, where I come from, money provides options. The Against All Odds radio show is sponsored in part by Scarfood, Car.com, and Dealer Synergy.